Hello, and welcome to another episode of On the Continuum, a podcast that gets into the nitty-gritty in the world of money. I'm David Rath, Chief Investment Officer at Continuum Wealth Advisors, here to remind you that when it comes to your money, very few issues are black and white. Most things exist on a continuum. Hello, and welcome to our podcast, On the Continuum. My name is J.T. Cox. I am your host, along with our co-host, David Rath. David is the Chief Investment Officer of Continuum Wealth Advisors. I am a wealth advisor with the firm. In this episode, we're going to be discussing Social Security. Specifically, we're going to educate you on some Social Security basics and discuss strategies clients may consider when it comes to collecting Social Security. So with that, let's dive right in. So David, do you know the name Ida Mae Fuller? I do not know that name. Well, you should. (laughs) Ida Mae Fuller, as folks may or may not be aware, was actually the first person to collect a Social Security benefit. She got in while the getting was good. That's right. So she collected a benefit on January 31st, 1940. The first monthly retirement check was issued to Ida Mae Fuller of Ludlow, Vermont. The amount was $22.54. I hope she bought a lot of milk and and eggs with that. (laughs) So... Interestingly, and then we will dive in, but I think this is interesting. She started collecting when she was 65 years old. She actually lived to be 100 years old. <laughs> so she earned quite a bit in Social Security, even though she was not, um, you know, she was not making much money uh, because of her longevity. She actually collected a pretty significant amount in Social Security benefits. So Social Security is what, what we are going to be discussing today. And for many folks out there, Social Security is the only source of guaranteed income they're going to have in retirement. And so I think social security planning is critical for folks as they enter retirement and they try and divide out or try and develop that retirement income strategy. Social security is going to be vital. Yeah. And to your point, it's, it's guaranteed as far as the, the government guarantees their, their benefit. And it is something that is going to impact their cash flow. Uh, it is a one-time decision. So you want to make sure that you are aware of all of the scenarios and everything that goes into what uh, your your claiming strategy should be. So I think it's important to understand what your options are, not just claim it as soon as you're eligible for it, because there are some, some, other, uh, some other considerations that you need to take in, into account. You hit the nail on the head. You know, too often, this is not something where you can go by the water cooler expert who, you know, said like, oh, I I collected at this age because this is what I needed to do. That might be right for them, but everyone's situation is going to be unique. So this decision is going to impact you. It's going to impact your spouse. It could impact, you know, children potentially. So this is going to have a major impact. So before you just rush into this decision, it's really important that you are educated on Social Security and some of the different strategies at play when it comes to collecting Social Security. So, David, I always think about Social Security, and I think that there's three really important ages when it comes to Social Security. And and what do you think those ages are, would you say? Well, the first main age is 62, when somebody is first eligible to claim their Social Security benefit. The next important age is going to be their age of full retirement, Mm -hmm. which is different depending on the year that you were born. And then the final age is age 70, which is the last year that you can claim And we'll go through what those different ages mean as far as the benefit amount. Exactly. And I can't tell you how many times I've spoken to folks that say, well, it's 62. I I have to collect it because it's, it's, I have to start right away. And that might be the case for some folks, but for a lot of folks out there, 
that might not make the most sense for him. So it's really important to, to just not just sign up as soon as you can. And we're going to talk about why that is because, well, let's dive into it. If you do collect at 62, what happens? So you are getting a reduced benefit from what you would receive at your full retirement age. And that reduction, we're not going to get into the specifics, but it is going to be a reduction that does decrease every year that you wait up until your full retirement age. And then beyond your full retirement age, then there's even an increase to that full retirement benefit that you would receive. Exactly. And and as a general rule, and again, this isn't locked in, but it's about 8% a year increase for every year that you delay yep. is, is typically what, what you can expect. And so when we tell folks it's an 8% increase, you know, and, and we invest in the market, how often can we say we guarantee that you're, this is going to increase by 8% next year? Well, if the SEC <laughs> is listening, we never say that. So Exactly. It, because you can't. And so it's nice to know that there is a guarantee there for every year that you are delaying. And it makes sense because Social Security Administration is assuming that that's one year, less year that they're going to make payments. So they're going to pay you more money. It, it just makes sense. So Full retirement age is the age that you have your full benefit, right? But it's not necessarily the highest benefit. Right. Because as you said, if you delay beyond that full retirement age, what happens at that point? You continue getting about 8% per year on top of your benefit up until age 70. At age 70, there's no reason to delay claiming. Correct. It's not going to increase beyond age 70. So if you say, oh, I'll just wait till age 75, you can do that. But your, your benefit is not increasing beyond age 70. Right. I've seen maybe one case where somebody tried to make – one scenario where somebody tried to make the case that they should wait longer because of tax purposes. And I thought, just just take the money. <laughs> you know, at the end yeah. of the day, take the money. So 62, full retirement age and 67. So full retirement age, touch on that for a minute. For years, it was age 65. Yep. And because of longevity, because people live were living longer – people such as item A Fuller, <laughs> they Social Security Administration decided to increase that full retirement age. So it's 65, 66, it could be 66 in some months. And now the maximum full age at this point is 67. Yeah. And that's actually important because when people worry that Social Security benefits are going to run out, they won't necessarily run out. But what we probably will see is the government enacting legislation that pushes that full retirement benefit age out, maybe increasing that age 62 to a longer age. They will make adjustments to make sure that the Social Security Trust is funded. Yes. And I'm glad you're touching on that because that's the elephant in the room. Everyone asks, is Social Security going to run out? And so, again, not to dive too deep, but there's two sources when it comes to Social Security. There's the dollars that are being paid in by current workers, right? Every every paycheck, I have Social Security tax taken out. And then there's the, the fund that's used to, to supplement those dollars. So the dollars being paid in by workers is not enough right now to cover all the benefits that are outstanding. So that's where they're utilizing the Social Security trust. The numbers are, it's about 70%, again, give or take, funded by the dollars that are being put in by workers. 30% is being funded by this trust. So when you read an article and it says Social Security is going to run out in 2032 or whatever year the article says, that doesn't mean that benefits are going to go to zero. Yeah. It just means that if things continue and there's no changes whatsoever, then 70% of benefits will be covered. The 30% will not be. Now, to your point, will that happen? 
again, you can never say never when it comes to politicians because I can't predict <laughs> what they're going to do. And if yeah. you can, God bless you. But there are steps that can be taken. One of those steps is increasing the age that people can take it, um, including increase that maximum age. They mm-hmm. might increase it from 70 to 72 or beyond. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they might increase the full retirement age. The other change they could make is they currently cap Social Security tax at, at a specific earnings rate. At, and once you get above that earnings rate and that rate changes every year, it's a hundred and something thousand dollars. I won't get into it because it changes every year. They don't tax you above that level. They can increase that rate. Yep. And that would increase the amount of dollars coming in. And therefore, Social Security wouldn't, quote unquote, run out. Yeah, they actually made a, a pretty significant increase to that maximum level last year into this year. So yep. you're if you're a high earner, you see, you're going to see more of your paycheck, not taxed at a higher rate, just more dollars taxed throughout the year. Correct. So again, the, the question is, Social Security going to run out? I need to grab it as soon as possible. Not necessarily. Right. There are steps that can be taken. So getting back to you know strategies, you know, so we talked about the ages, you've got full retirement age, you've got 62, and you've got 70. In addition to considering the amount of money that you're going to be earning, and the idea being that every year you delay the, the dollar amount you're going to earn is going to go up, there's some other considerations when it comes to collecting Social Security, especially early. That full retirement age is important. Because once you reach that full retirement age, your ability to collect Social Security and earn income um, prior to that is very restricted as far as how much you can earn. And for this year, 2023, if you earn above $21,240 of earned income, and we're going to talk about that, and you're collecting Social Security, you're going to be penalized. Yeah, you're going to see a reduction in your benefits. And we won't get into the specifics because there's a lot of dollar figures getting thrown around. but. Uh, yeah, if you earn over a certain level, and the level is pretty low, mm-hmm. uh, if you earn over that, you're going to see your Social Security benefit reduced for those years. Exactly. So I've got clients who will retire, they'll collect Social Security, and they're going to say, oh, I'm probably never going to work. And then they get bored and they go work at Lowe's, and they're collecting their paycheck, they're not really thinking about it. Next thing you know, you can earn $30,000, $40,000 working at Lowe's or Home Depot or something like that. And and now their Social Security benefit is being reduced. Mm-hmm. And so it's a major consideration for folks when it comes to, you know, do you want to have the ability to earn income? I've had other folks who have retired, said, I'm done working, and then they've been offered consulting opportunities. And consulting opportunities can be pretty lucrative, depending on what type of work you were in. And sometimes people want to stay working because they they want the challenge. They like the mental challenge of that. They like the socialization of it. The last thing you want to say is, no, I can't accept this opportunity that's very lucrative because it's going to impact my Social Security. Yeah. So Social Security, your ability to work when you take Social Security is really is a primary driver of one of the main decision points. Do you plan on working? Um, If you do plan on working, you really want to think about that before you turn on Social Security. Yeah. And the other consideration or the other main consideration is what I like to refer to as a longevity hedge. Mm -hmm. If you are going to live a long time, you want to delay as much as possible and draw off some other sources of income for those years because the longer that you live, like our friend Ida May, Mm -hmm. the longer that you're going to be receiving whatever benefit that you choose. So if you lock in a lower benefit, you're going to be receiving that lower benefit throughout your life Versus waiting a couple of years and getting a higher benefit if you do live to age 100. Exactly. And and not only yourself, 
but this could also impact a spouse because we're going to get into spousal benefits, widow's benefits. But So that decision doesn't only impact you, it, it could impact your spouse as well. So it's really important that you are very up to speed on everything. And, and what I tell clients when I work with them and say they're 62 and they're retiring and they say, should I collect it now? I say, we're, we're gonna, what we're going to do is we're going to wait if we can, if there are other sources that we can draw on and it makes sense for their situation. Mm-hmm. But we're not going to commit to waiting to 67 if that's their full retirement age because five years is a long time and we don't know. Yep. But what we're going to commit to is we're going to wait one year. And in a year, we're going to sit down and we're going to evaluate how are things going? How is the health? How, you know, are you working? Did you decide you want to go back to work? And and we kind of make that a, a talking point every year. And at some time between, at some year between that age 62 and 67, it might make sense to turn it on. Yep. Or we might say, you know what, I can go another year. And I found that rather than folks saying, okay, I'm going to wait five years or eight years if they want to wait till age 70, that's a pretty big commitment to make and we don't know what's going to happen. But if we can take it year by year, you know, people usually feel pretty comfortable with that. Yeah. What do you say to people that, that, that push back when you tell them to wait and they say, well, what happens if I die? I don't get to I don't get to collect any of the social security that I paid into. Yep. And, you, you know, so again, there's two scenarios, right? You die or you live a long time. And if you die and you didn't collect anything, that's bad. Absolutely. And we'll talk about widow's benefits because mm-hmm. there might be some <clears throat> other sources there. But I'd say a not a worse scenario because you're being died is the worst scenario. But I also would hate for someone to be age 75 and say, I wish I waited because now I'm running out of money. Yeah. And I always like to say that they're, they're not, there's not going to be a ledger at the pearly gates. Right. Same looking Peter. at <laughs> Looking at your, your social security paid in versus what you actually collected, right? Yep. You're, you're not going to be there to reap the benefits that you've paid into your entire life. But there's other considerations at play. Absolutely. And, and again, I just, I've never had anyone come back from the grave and tell me, I wish I collected it sooner. Yeah. You know, it hasn't happened yet. I've have had clients tell me, I wish I'd waited. Yeah. And, you know, and it's impacting my life now in retirement. And those are difficult conversations. I've had clients say, I wish I didn't collect it because I want to go to work now and I'm restricted and I can't. Yep. Those are difficult conversations. Let's talk a little bit about married couple. Because I think there's a lot of strategies when it comes to Social Security for, for a married couple. And so when it comes to Social Security, you have your own benefit that you've earned. But if you're married, you also have access to a spousal benefit. And could you talk a little bit, David, about what a spousal benefit is? So a good rule of thumb, of course, it's going to be different depending on ages claimed. But the spousal benefit is going to be about half of what the primary earner's benefit is. Now, that even can include if you are working maybe part-time or working at a job that doesn't pay as much as your spouse's, even if you have your own benefit, you're going to get the higher of the two, whether it's the spousal benefit or your own, you're going to get the higher of the two, and that spousal benefit is going to be roughly half of what your the higher earning spouses. Exactly. So let's use an example. Let's say husband and wife, uh, husband didn't earn a lot of income, didn't show a lot of income. The wife was the primary earner as far as income goes. So the wife has access to a benefit at full retirement age. And we'll just say they're going to collect full retirement age just for Mm -hmm. simplicity's sake. Her benefit is $4,000 a month. She's she's collecting a nice benefit. Um, 
the husband, his own benefit that he's, he's earned is $1,000 a month. So the idea is he, he can collect $1,000 a month or he can collect that spousal benefit, which would be half of hers. So he'd actually get $2,000 a month. So that's a nice benefit. And, and the thought being, there's a lot of households out there where one spouse was the primary earner. The other spouse maybe you know, took care of children or, or worked around the house or did something that didn't produce a lot of income. Maybe they did charity work and things like that. So the government wanted to still support in some way that other spouse that didn't work as much. Yeah. And of course, there's also the consideration about when the primary breadwinner for the household does claim their benefit, because you can't claim the spousal benefit until the primary earner claims their benefit. So there's different strategies at play. So maybe if you do have your part-time job that you do have a benefit on, maybe you claim that and then wait until your spouse turns on. The point I'm trying to make is that there's a lot of different scenarios that you might encounter and it helps to talk to a professional that knows the benefits inside and out. Absolutely. And I would say that every time I've met with folks, every single time, the answer has been unique to their situation. There is not one strategy where we say, this is exactly what you should do every time. Because everyone's situation is unique. Yeah. You know, you've had spouses who are both high earners, spouses whose one's a high earner, uh, one wasn't a high earner. And, and so we want to evaluate your situation. We have we have to look at other resources. Some people have pensions. Other people have 401ks. Are there other resources available? So it's important that you sit down and you review your entire situation to understand that because that spousal benefit, there's a lot of strategies there. You know, if both spouses were high earners, one might collect at full, one might wait till age 70. I've had folks do that. There's so many different options out there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the the big takeaway is it's going to be unique to your situation. Yeah. Now let's talk a little bit. So that's why both spouses are alive. You do have access to a spousal benefit. So now let's continue my example and say one of those folks passes away. What happens in that instance? So then there's what's known as the survivor benefit. And so, of course, each situation is going to be different. And the survivor benefit is going to be based off of the if, if you're if you're the lower earning spouse, it's going to be based off what the primary earners income was for for their life. Exactly. So in my situation that I discussed earlier, the wife's benefit is 4000 The husband was collecting $2,000 a month as a spousal benefit. Let's say the wife passes away. What would happen in that instance is the husband would then receive the, the wife's benefit, the 4000 the $2,000 would go away. Mm-hmm. So as a family whole, it, it would be reduced because they would lose his benefit, yeah. but you do step up to at least the higher benefit. Yep. And that's really important for folks to understand um, and there's a lot of planning for you know widows, widowers, and and sometimes as far as the age that you're able to access that benefit, it's a little sooner. Yeah. Um, you can actually access that at the age of 60 yeah. potentially. Yeah. So again, that's another scenario where if you're going through a, a situation, you really want to review that situation and see what you have access to. Yeah. Um, the the last component here that we'll talk about here is uh, divorce situation. Uh, if you are married, and I believe the number is 10 years, and, and you do not remarry, you could potentially have access to a benefit on an ex-spouse. Yes. So, and, and that benefit, again, it's going to depend on many different factors, um, but it would be, a, there is a potential benefit out there, and there's a lot of folks who, who didn't realize that was available to them. 
And so for all those folks, you know, that's something where we get on the phone with Social Security Administration, we reach out to them, we schedule an appointment, and we and we talk to them. And in my experience, Social Security Administration, if you go see them, they're very helpful. Their their goal is not to like try and, you know, make sure that you don't get they, they want you to get the highest benefit possible. Yeah. The folks that work there are helpful and they're trying they're gonna say these are the benefits you have access to. You know, this one makes you know sense because it's a higher they can't give you excuse me, they can't give you advice. But they can say this is your higher benefit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you know there are opportunities out there. If you've gone through a divorce, if you were married for a certain period of time, and you meet those thresholds, you do have access to that. Yeah, and we won't get into it. But there's also disability mm-hmm. uh, access to social security benefits. So there's a lot that goes into the social security program, and you want to be fully aware of everything that you are entitled to. Yes. And and that's why I always encourage folks, go see the social, make an appointment, go see them. And yes, you can do it on the phone. And I know they moved to the phones, but I do believe locally they are taking appointments here. And I, I've, folks, the feedback I've received from folks who have gone to see them in person and be like, they were really helpful. Yeah. And so I really strongly encourage you, go visit with that individual if this is your situation, get those numbers and then sit down with someone and talk to them. Because there's so many different factors that are going to drive that decision, depending on, you know, what is that income? Are you married? Do both spouses, do both spouses earn income? Do you want to continue working in retirement? Um, you know, are you going to turn on Medicare? There's so many, there, there's an infinite amount of decision points that go into that. And people will ask me oftentimes, what's the right decision? And unfortunately, we can't answer that because the right de- in order to know the right decision, we need to know how long you're going to live. Yep. And that's something we don't know. Yep. But what I tend to lean towards is the longer you can delay, the higher that benefit gets, the, the, more, the happier you're going to be later on. And it's, and it's <laughs> funny because that's the rule of thumb that I abide by too when I'm giving advice to people. If I don't know their full situation, I say, usually if you can afford to, it makes sense to wait because yep. of what we talked about. It's a it's a hedge against you living a long time. Yep. But anecdotally, most people that I talk to, despite that advice, they will say, I'm just going to claim it as soon as I can because they want access to the money that they've yeah. put away their, yep. life, their whole life. And it makes sense because I understand what's going into their decision. But again, rule of thumb I always say if you can afford to, it makes sense to wait, but I understand why people would want to claim it earlier. And of course, as as a species, we're terrible at uh, gra- delayed gratification, sure. right? I mean, that all it's psychology. It all plays into this. And the idea of delaying and then getting more in the future but not getting it now, we're not good at it. That's why we tend to have weight problems. That's why, we, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's of course I want that cookie right now. It's going to taste delicious, yeah. even yeah. though it might hurt me down the line. But I, I mean, I just you tell this you know, I'll tell this story. I was at a seminar with a large group of folks. There's about 60 people in attendance. And I had a guy and he was basically yelling at me, telling me I didn't know what I was talking about because he was going to collect social security right away. And I didn't know because what if he died the next day and things like that. And I said, sir, you can make whatever decision you want. But the way he was saying it was trying to tell everyone in the audience that they should be making the same decision <laughs> as him. And I say, unless you know every single person in this audience, personal financial situation, and I really hope you don't, yeah. because if you do, that's a problem. Don't tell other people what to do. Yeah. And if you choose to make that decision, okay, understand why you're making that decision and understand what the ramifications of that decision are. 
Yeah, and you talked about going to see the Social Security Administration for specific questions about your benefit. They can answer everything that they can that they know about Social Security, but it also ties into your overall financial plan. Mm -hmm. And that's where we can step in and help and say you have a pension over here, you have an IRA over here, you have potential second job, you know, in your in your later retirement years. There's a lot of things that are going to go into that decision process. One strategy that I've used in the past, client has a lot of assets in pre-tax um, qualified plan, pre-tax IRA, and a little bit in Roth, and they retire. And I say, client, if we delay Social Security, that's going to reduce your income. This is a nice time to do a Roth conversion, mm-hmm. convert dollars from pre because you have to pay the tax on it, but it's based on your current tax rate. So if you're going from a high-paying job with a lot of income, you retire, and now you're not showing a lot of income that could be a time to utilize Roth conversion. Again, this is one strategy, part of like, so uh, again, hundreds of different decision points that could be made around this, but that's why you wanna sit down with somebody. And we do a lot of work in this space. We do a lot of work with retirees, pre-retirees, folks who have just retired, and income strategies in retirement is a primary um, discussion point yes. for us. Yes. It, and we're going to cover all the different types of income strategies. Social security is a critical component of that. Absolutely. So with that, if you do want to get in touch with us, David, what's the best way for them to reach out to us? You can always give us a call. The number here is 518-583-4050. You can also find us online. Our website is contwealth.com. That's C-O-N-T wealth.com. There's a contact us form. You can also explore some some blogs and podcasts that we've put out previously uh, and to get a sense of, uh, of, of our standpoint on certain things. Absolutely. So if you want to sit down, go over your own personal financial situation, see what makes sense for you, please feel free to contact us. With that, we hope that this has been helpful for you. We appreciate you listening. Everyone take care. Please note the information discussed on this podcast is for educational purposes only. Nothing discussed constitutes a recommendation. If you would like a review of your personal financial situation, please contact us at contwealth.com or call 518-583-4050.